Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Monday edition of The Drive podcast. I'm Josh Downs. Excited to have another week in front of us and uh, looking forward to making the most of it. Hope you are as well. Today's episode is episode 506, What is Your Net Worth? The reason I chose that particular title was because the other day I was driving in the car with my two daughters when my youngest daughter asked me a question. She said, Dad, what is net worth? (laughs) I was kind of taken back and a little surprised by that question, especially at her age. Apparently, she had overheard someone talking about another person's net worth and just had some questions about it. So I proceeded to explain to her, basically net worth is how much wealth a person has accumulated minus their debts. And it's kind of used as a measurement to, I guess, how rich they are basically, right? That's net worth. And so when you hear of somebody's net worth, it's usually spoken in you know, a context that is very impressive. Like, wow, look how much money this person has. This is their net worth. Well, as I was explaining that to her, I actually ended up having the coolest thought because we had just recently watched, as I've mentioned several times, one of my favorite shows, The Chosen, and and rewatched one of episode in particular that is just become one of my all-time favorites. And I think that it's episode four. It's basically the episode where Peter and a couple other disciples have been fishing all night, haven't been able to catch anything, and then here comes Christ. And he tells them to cast their nets one more time on the other side of the boat, and they reluctantly do it and then have this incredible catch of fish that almost causes the boat to capsize, all in leading up to the Savior inviting them to follow me. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. Well, as I thought about the concept of net worth, this thought that hit me was basically that heaven has a very different system of value than that of the world. And so I asked my daughter, I said, to help you better understand this, what are some of the things that kind of show how rich we are on earth? To which she listed a few things, like obviously money and maybe the size of the house or uh, the, the type of car that person, you know, person drives or the type of clothes that they have. As we went through and and listed several things together, I then asked her, well, what kinds of things show how rich you are in heaven? How is wealth measured there? Well, she said, I don't know, Dad. Uh, what, What does show how rich you are in heaven? Well, you see what just happened? She asked a very good question. And so now the learner was ready to learn. And so now the teacher could teach. Which is, again, just a great reminder that the best teaching moments, from my own experience, always happen naturally. And isn't this really what the Savior did? He just became a master of this. He just taught as he lived, referencing experiences and items all around him, really in context of where they were and what they were doing. And then he used those to teach the the lessons that really stuck with people, I believe, because one, they were ready to learn and because of the context in which they were learning. I think more important than having lessons with our kids is just creating teaching opportunities with them, doing things with them, being around them, and certainly finding yourself in places and circumstances that are just kind of free from distraction. Things like hikes or car rides or lunches or dinners or, you know, even just picking up 
my daughter Brooklyn the other day from school, I ended up having the best discussion in just our car while we waited for her sister come to come out of school because we were there, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes early. But that's all we needed. And that's all it takes to have those kind of discussions and teaching moments. Well, and so this is exactly what I was now being set up to do with my youngest was to have this kind of teaching moment just as we drove. Uh, and so back to what I wanted to teach her, I reminded her of several scriptures that reveal just how to acquire wealth in heaven. The type of wealth where thieves, as the scriptures say, cannot break through and steal and neither will moss or rust corrupt. And there was a great scripture that came to mind that I wanted to share with her. A scripture that was given, ironically, as an individual was asking, what is it that would be of most value for me to do? What would be of, of the most worth and the most important thing that I can do? And the Lord responded to this individual with this answer. He says, And now behold, I say unto you that the thing which will be of the most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people, that you may bring souls unto me. The Lord is very clear about what he places value in and what is of worth in heaven. And that's people. And it will always be people, people that are brought to him so that he can help them and heal them and comfort them and save them. The fish that Peter caught that day on the Sea of Galilee were meant to teach him what the Savior wanted him to do and to become and what would be the most worth to him in heaven. He wasn't to be a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. He was being taught that his true net worth wouldn't be found in the number of fish caught in his net, but in the number of men brought to Christ. In other words, our net worth in heaven will have very little to do with the amount of money that we've collected and everything to do with the people and the souls that we've collected through our love, through our service, and through bringing them to Christ. And I love that I made that connection for myself in that moment because now whenever I think of net worth, I think of a different kind of net, one that is full of those that I've helped and loved and hopefully brought to Christ, which is very different when it comes to value and the way that the world sees and defines value. I know that we all have goals and we all have dreams, but if they're not in alignment with that overall purpose, then we are in effect trading that of the greatest value for that of little value. And I guess you could even say that in some ways we're trading forever for now. And I don't know about you, but forever sounds like a lot better amount of time to enjoy wealth than it does here and now. Well, several years ago, as an example of this, uh, there's a great story, true story. A news crew went to Arkansas to film the world's most expensive lawnmower. The film crew found a wooden frame house and an old man sitting on the porch. And the reporter asked, are you the owner of the most expensive lawnmower? The man spit some tobacco and said, yep. The reporter said, uh, just how much is it worth? To which the old man answered, $1.5 million. <laughs> That's an expensive lawnmower. The old man took the film crew to the backyard by an old pine tree. And with anticipation, cameras followed him with great interest. The old man then pulled back a tarp, only to reveal the oldest, ugliest, rusted-out lawnmower that anyone had ever seen. The shocked reporter asked, uh, Sir, this is worth $1.5 To which the old man spit some tobacco again and said, Yep. The old man continued by saying, You see, when Sam Walton first started Walmart, I bought $600 in stock. 
But one day thereafter, I saw this shiny red riding lawnmower at Western Auto, and I told my wife that I was cashing in my stock to buy that lawnmower. If I had left that $600 in that stock, I would now have $1.5 million today. Looking back to the lawnmower, he said, you see that right there? That is the most expensive lawnmower in the world. <laughs> I love that story. Again, it's a true story. Just a great reminder for us, for all of us, right, to refocus if needed on what matters most, which is, again, bringing people to Christ. And the best place to start is right with ourselves. I really think it's hard for us and will be hard for us to recognize anyone else's worth if we don't see our own. And one of the best places that I know of to come to recognize our own individual worth is by bringing ourselves to Christ. When we do that, He helps us to see and to recognize that worth. And then the more we see what we're worth to Him, the more we want everyone else to see their worth to Him as well because it makes us feel so good about ourselves. And it just naturally will gravitate to those that matter most to us, our families and our kids. And we'll do everything that we can to bring all of God's children to Him. Now, before any of us beats ourselves up too much, because I know we can all be doing better at this, right? I think it's important to remember the Lord's wording in that commission that He gives, which is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice that it isn't that you will be instantly fishers of men, but I will make you fishers of men. You and I, as we choose to follow Christ, choose to become a work in progress with basically the promise that, again, he will make us into that. And therefore, the best way, again, to help others is to first help yourself by choosing to follow Christ as best as you can. The best way to improve your relationships with others is to improve your relationship with him. Utah, is, in case you haven't been here before, is known for its construction, as anyone can attest to, especially during the, the summer months, which I am very much not looking forward to. I just do not love the construction season here in Utah. Well, in searching for articles that I could share as a part of this episode today, I came across the great little thought from Joel Osteen, and he references the idea of construction and coming across these kinds of places and experiences as we just go about our day. He says, if you're like me, whenever a road that you travel often gets torn up and is under construction, you think, man, what a mess this is. How long is this going to last? It's taking forever. Please hurry up and get this done. We don't enjoy what we see or have to drive through during the early phases of construction, but the closer it gets to being finished, well, the more we like it and the more we like it better and better. He said, you've probably heard the saying, I'm not all that I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. If you can say that today, that's a good thing because it means you're on the road to progress. The truth is that all of us are under construction and sometimes the road to progress is a messy and difficult one and we don't like what we see in our lives. But again, we're a work in progress. We will get to the completion phase because God is going to fulfill his promises to us. Again, notice that when Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you means that he will enable us to become everything he calls us to be. You see that God's pattern is to take and make us. We are not called by God because we are somehow qualified and equipped to follow him, but because we are willing to follow and believe in him. 
As imperfect and lacking as we are, we just have to be willing and he will take us and make us. And I just, I love that thought. I think it's a great thought, especially as it can help us hopefully to be patient with ourselves and just, and and also with others, right? Because we better come to recognize that everyone is a work in progress, even those that we're trying to help and that maybe we won't be able to fully bring them to Christ in an instant, but that's okay. Maybe we'll have planted just enough of a thought or a seed that later on it will begin to grow within them. So again, be patient with yourself and just keep trying. Keep trying to reach out to others, to reach out to your spouse, your friends, your kids, whomever you want so badly to bring to Christ. Just be patient with them because, well, they're a work in progress too. I think this is something that we can all try to remember a little bit more, especially when we get discouraged. During the difficult times and challenges that we have, be confident that God is doing a work in you. It's all just a part of the construction process. God has his hands on you the entire time. He is not going to let you fall or fail. He's going to complete you and help you to do those things that are most valuable to both him and you. I'm learning more and more as an individual that I have a specific purpose and mission to perform here on earth. And as much as I know that, I also know that each and every one of you listening today, that you have a mission to perform here on earth as well. Missions that you haven't even yet fully begun to realize. And if you'll just keep choosing him, that he will choose you and he'll call you to do some pretty amazing things. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in others' lives. And I know that you can see it and experience it in your own as well. And the kinds of things that these missions will involve will be the kinds of things that will be of the greatest worth to you. They will always involve bringing others to Christ. So, Keep pushing on your goals and your dreams. But if you want the wealth of heaven to be found in them, make sure there is also a component of blessing the lives of others in them as well. Work for money, but not so that you can have things that matter little, but so that you can bless others in ways that matter the most. Work to improve your health, but not so that you can get attention from others, but so that you can have the energy to give more attention to those that you love. And by all means, work to achieve your dreams, but only so that you can better help others achieve theirs. And maybe most importantly, work to bring yourself to Christ so that you can better bring Christ to others. Remember, as he says, kind of at the end of that verse about lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he also reminds us that wherever your heart is, there will your treasure be also. If our net worth is truly just measured by the amount of money that we possess, the cars that we drive, the house that we have, the clothes that we wear, then that's also a pretty good indication that that's where our treasure is. And if that's the case, well, we may find temporary joy and pleasure in them. But moth and rust will corrupt, and thieves will be able to break through and steal those. And worst case, well, we just simply can't take them with us. But if our treasure is found in the lives of other people, those that we've helped, those that we've touched, those that we've used our resources and means to help and to love and to support and to bring closer to God, well, we will end up being found as some of the wealthiest people in eternity. There's an old Chinese saying that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. And I can attest to that one. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. And I would take that even a step further, that if you want happiness for eternity, bring somebody to Christ. 
because the worth of souls is great, so, so great in the sight of God that everything that we do to bring people to Him is what truly will be of most worth in all of eternity. Winston Churchill once said that we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I've always loved that, that statement and thought. Thanks for listening today, everybody. I hope that that's been helpful, especially as you consider net worth. I hope that you will never, ever look at that the same when you hear it talked about or you hear about how much of a fortune somebody has amassed, that you will always remember that true worth and true value in eternity isn't found in money, but it's found in people and the way that we've treated them and helped them to come to find Christ. Now have a great day and a great week, you guys, as you focus, hopefully, on those things that have the most worth. Now to help you with this, I put together a great study and teaching guide that I'm super excited about. It's on my website, joshdowns.com. You'll find it under resources, so make sure to pick it up. I know you're going to love it. Also, just a heads up, I just launched my coaching channel on TikTok. So if you have TikTok, join me there, Josh Downs Coaching. There'll be daily thoughts I'll be putting out there as well. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. I'm Josh Downs, and you're listening to The Drive.